Danielle Jenkins, what's going on today? Uh, it's sunny here. As you can see, the sun on my face today coming through my window. Oh my feels God, like, I can. Yeah, it feels like spring is actually coming, which is nice. Um, and we just finished up the second weekend of the home show in Toronto that our company was doing. And holy moly, was it exhausting, but wow, was it worth it. So um any home services businesses that are starting up or in a few years, I definitely suggest doing one of those big home shows because they definitely are great. How are you? Oh, good. Shows are really hard. You've been yeah, on your exhausting. feet for two weeks. You probably need a vacation. Yeah. Uh, and we are getting the last of our atmospheric rivers, although we're not getting the atmospheric river. We're just getting an inch of rain today here in Northern California, and hopefully it'll be over and, and it'll be sunny Today, we're going to talk about a sunny side up thing, which is five things that you need to have in your employee handbook. Employee handbooks are one of those things that are a double-edged sword, at least in the United States, as it relates to legal things. And I know you and I have talked about it before. Same thing in Canada is you want an employee handbook because you want to provide guidance. You need to be very careful what you put in the in employee handbook because it does provide guidance and is a legal document. So you have a lot of experience in this with with uh, Domestic Divas Cleaning Company and the your service company. So not that all companies don't have employees, but it's, in, it's specifically important because your people are actually in the field doing mm-hmm. the service. So right. what do you got for us today? Mm-hmm. Well, um, as I was saying to you before we started recording, Brandon, your handbook is probably going to have various things that apply to your industry or your service or your company, just because that's what you want to put in the handbook um, as the CEO or owner. However, there are five things that I think that are the most important things that you need to understand as a business owner um, thoroughly. So then your teams and your staff can have a great understanding and follow them as well. So I've made some notes here. I'm just going to share those five important things. So my number one, and this is actually number one, These, this is number one, mission statement. This needs to be shared across every platform within your company. But I do really think for your employee handbook, um, your mission statement is so crucial. If you don't already have one, you need to have one. And if you don't know how... I can actually help you with that. I do um, consider myself quite good at coming up with mission statements. I know Brandon's really good at elevator pitches, but mission statements are something that our company, ours is really, really good. Um, and I've helped a few other people do it? theirs as well. Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into my spiel. <laughs> I want to know what it is. You I'll can't tell be- you after. <laughs> So um, the reason I'm saying this, your mission statement is your why. It's why does your business exist? Um, what does your business do? Why are your team members there every day? Why do they come to work every day? And I find a really crystal clear mission statement gets rid of any misunderstandings that your team members may have. Um, maybe we'll do a whole episode about developing the perfect mission statement, but our mission statement for Domestic Divas Cleaning Co. is transforming the cleaning industry paradigm by bringing professionalism and sophistication to the industry and providing... Hold on. Wow. 
tongue twister and providing um, phenomenal cleaning services to all of our clients and their environments. So it is longer than something like an elevator pitch, like what Brandon would probably kick me in the butt for, um, because it's not an elevator pitch. It's your mission statement. It's what you and your team members are doing every day, all day, at every job, and and the purpose behind the business. And that is why I think it's so important. Um, I had an analogy when I was speaking with a friend of mine, helping them with their mission statement. And they thought it was all this like woo woo stuff that you don't actually need a mission statement, but you do. Like if you think about it, like a soccer team branded, everybody on that soccer team is on the same mission. They're all trying to win that game. They're all trying to get as many goals um, or points or whatever. And if one person is not working on that mission, they're going to get benched. They're going to get their contract removed. They're going to get fired from the team. Everybody is working towards that same mission because it's literally ingrained in everybody in that team that that's the mission. It's Everybody's reminded of it every day, all day. That's the goal, right? So that is why I think it's so important. And I could go into a mission statement episode right now, but I'm not going to because we have other things to touch base on. But there's there, there's a whole bunch of psychological benefits to having a company mission statement and having people know it all day, every day. I agree with you. And we will do another episode on mission statement and the difference between a mission statement and an elevator pitch and why you effectively need both. Yes. And and, and I think in short, one is internal, one is external. Yes, definitely. 100%. Good ending to that, Brandon. Um, number two, code of conduct, absolutely essential for your team, yourself, um, because it gives your team members a definite guide on how they should work and act, um, while they're performing their job or representing the company, even at company events. There's a whole bunch of things that you as a business owner can decide on, but just things like, you know, those professional things, things that will or will not be tolerated, um, What's acceptable? What's not? Like, for example, people think that we're crazy, but because we are cleaning very luxurious homes or very expensive commercial buildings or even working with developers on very expensive locations like multi-million dollar projects, um, and we're bringing this professional aspect with our services and that's what our reputation is and what we're known for. We actually have it in our code of conduct that they can't smoke cigarettes on the job. And people think that's harsh. People think that that is a personal choice, which is fine. Smoke at home, smoke when you go home, smoke on your lunch break off the job site. Do not smoke while you're on the job site representing our company because I think it's unprofessional and I don't want our clients smelling cigarette smoke while they should be smelling clean, fresh, a clean, fresh environment. So your code of conduct, um, there are a few things in there that obviously like you know, doing drugs, drinking alcohol on the job, totally not acceptable whatsoever. But then you can add your own um, codes in there of what you want your company to represent and the behaviors that you will and will not tolerate. The caveat that I would offer listeners is that when you do that, that you make sure you have your legal people yes, definitely. <laughs> review that. And the only reason I say that is because you just want to make sure that you can say that. For the most part, I've never seen anything that is so crazy that you can't. People may not like it, mm-hmm. but I it's your company in general as long as you're not 
infringing on some right somewhere. But you just want to make sure that you do that because you uh, okay it with your lawyers yes. because you can get in some hot water for that. So don't wing it. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Do, do, do not, do not. I think that do not wing the handbook. No. <laughs> get and that. I should have said that from the beginning. When you are writing your handbook after this episode, guys, make sure your counsel or your lawyer reviews it first before you well, give it to any team members. It, exactly. You can get, you can use templates. You can use these five tips. You can use all those things that, that accelerate you there. You could use chat GPT if you knew how to prompt it to write your employee handbook. But afterwards, get a human lawyer to, 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 <laughs> to review it. Okay. Yes. Next tip. Um, payroll policies. Um, sometimes people overlook this or maybe they just put a couple sentences like, okay, this is your wage. This is when you're going to get paid. Done. But then there's no clear understanding about literally this list of things I'm going to give you. You need to have a description of the process for everything as salaries and wages, timekeeping, payment schedules, payment methods, time off requests and how to do them, how much time they're allowed to have off, the work week, work days, break, um, breaks, lunches, overtime rules, payroll deductions, benefits, sick days, vacation days. Are they paid vacation days, paid sick days? There are so many things that need to be included in this payroll policy because when people are coming in, there cannot be a gray area. They need to know exactly what they're getting paid for, if they're getting paid for it, um, are they getting paid for doing home shows? All of our staff know that when they're at those home shows, they're getting paid. However, there's other staff from other companies that don't get paid. So all of those things need to be outlined. Their payroll deductions. Some employees don't get deductions taken off depending on the agreement. Some do. It all just depends. You don't want them to have that gray area because then when they do take an additional sick day and know or don't know if it's allowed or not, and then you're frustrated, you're writing them up or trying to terminate them because they're taking all this time off, but you had nothing in your employee handbook about taking too much time off or what's acceptable or what's not. Um, so all of those things are absolutely crucial to have a payroll policy and every single thing outlined. Even if it takes you two pages, outline it as 100% as much as you can. Um, so there's no misunderstanding. And you can say, well, it clearly says right here, you're getting written up for this next next strike kind of thing. I totally agree. There's There should be no ambiguity about one get people when people get paid. So so far we've done mission statement, code of conduct, code of conduct, and when payroll policy. Get paid. Well, payroll policy, uh, payroll and vacation policies. This is really all inclusive. This is uh, because you also mentioned in there vacation. You'll put mm -hmm. specifically how people earn vacation if it is earned or if it yep. how that all works. Yeah, like ours is they get two weeks vacation pay, sorry, two weeks paid vacation every year. Um, they also get their vacation pay on top of every paycheck. So rather than getting it when they take vacation, every Friday they get their um, percentage of vacation pay uh, per each employee. Um, and that's all outlined in our employee handbook. So they all know exactly what to expect. <laughs> Perfect. What is number four? Safety policies. Um, I feel like this is a given or should be a given. However, there are industries, even like cleaning, where you'd think, well, why would we need 
safety policy. You know, you're really just cleaning. Well, guys, I'm telling you, there are literally rules, health and safety for every industry, even down to dog walking. Um, Every business, job, company, team, and so on, you need to have health and safety policies. The reason you need them is to clearly outline employer and employee accountability um, and responsibility for the workplace health and safety. Um, It keeps the owners accountable to ensure that things are put in place so people aren't doing stupid things and getting themselves hurt um, or even accidental things and getting themselves hurt. And same with the employee. They need to know what they need to do to ensure this. Um, Some of ours in the cleaning industry sounds silly, guys, but you need to have it. It's like having caution hot on the side of a hot coffee. Um, Don't swallow our cleaning products. Follow the cleaning products instructions. Don't climb on top of kitchen counters. Um, things that may seem so silly to put in a safety policy, but things that people may go, oh, well, maybe I can just step up there or maybe I can just use this for this and maybe there not be any consequences, but there always are. And I never, ever want any of my staff to be jeopardized because I didn't give them enough information about something with a health and safety policy. Um, and they can go as intense or as not intense, depending on the industry. Obviously, if you're dealing with equipment, there should be a whole bunch. Even down to our office, we have make sure the heat is turned down to a certain temperature because we have one of those industrial shop heaters in our storage room. We don't want the product getting hot and potentially being you know, caught on fire. So there's a whole bunch of safety um, and health policies and rules that you really should implement, whether you have just a dog walking business or everything from, from development. Um, and it's so important to have. The thing that I'll add is there are some policies around those things that you do need to have posted. I mm-hmm. think in the United States, we have that. I'm pretty sure it's the same in Canada. You have to have that posted in the work workplace. Yep. But I also think it's important to take into consideration these extra things, such as don't stand on the kitchen counter to wipe the window or something like that. And then probably have a, a catch-all. I think mm-hmm. you do need to be specific about some of that stuff. but it, And also a catch-all statement that says don't do anything that would jeopardize your safety. Right. In, but some in people have different oh, levels. I understand. <laughs> So I'm I'm saying you do need to be specific and the more specific you can be, the better and the safer the people yeah. will be and the less you will come back with, well, mm-hmm. you didn't say that I couldn't stack the ladder on top of the chair. Exactly. Um, one thing I will add to that, guys, and we'll get into my fifth point here. If you've ever read a manual or a policy that literally seems like a thousand pages long, It's like that for a reason Um, because everybody has different understandings, different metrics, different levels of everything to do in a manual or in a policy. So when I first started mine and had the business at the very beginning, our employee handbook was probably only a few pages long, but now it's quite large. Um, I've just gave given it to a friend of mine to help with their business as well because they really are like, are you serious? You need all of this in here? And yes, you do because everything that's in there has come from an experience, an accident, something that you would never think is needed to be talked about or mentioned because in your mind, it may seem like common sense, 
but it's not. It all needs to be outlined because your level of even professionalism for code of conduct is different than mine. Every single thing needs to be laid out. So don't worry if it's extremely long. It needs to be outlined because you will be disappointed when your expectations and their expectations are different or worst case, somebody gets hurt because a safety policy wasn't outlined in more in depth than it should have been. Um, so just keep that in mind because they do, they are all there for a reason. So make yours as big as you'd like. <laughs> um, so let's just do a re- recap where we came from. Mission statement, mm-hmm. code of conduct, yep. payment policies, mm-hmm. safety protocols. Yes. And number, number five, five, disciplinary actions and consequences. Um, again, you may think they don't do something in the code of conduct or they do something against the code of conduct. You can just fire them. Theoretically, yes, you may find yourself in a sticky situation in a courtroom if that's the case. This is extremely important because it gives new employees and current employees um, the chance to I guess I want to say understand the consequences of poor performance or breach of the code of conduct or anything that goes against anything in your employee agreement or your employee handbook um, from the very beginning. So they can never come back and say, well, I didn't know that I couldn't take eight days off in a month and that I'd be fired for it. Because if you have it outlined there, it's going to be there. So we have our disciplinary action. Um, if there's any breach, we have some rules that maybe could be a warning. We also have some that are immediate termination. So those are outlined clearly in our code of conduct under each section. It says, you know, result of this will be, or breach of this will result in immediate termination. The next one will say this will result in a warning. Um, then we have a verbal warning, then we have a written warning with an action plan. And if that is not being done, then we have a disciplinary meeting, which could result in termination and 99% of the time does. So we have everything outlined there with even examples of things, just in case anybody has any mixed, foggy um, understanding of any of that, we have it all outlined. Um, It provides consistency in the application of disciplinary action for employees and for employers. That's another thing. It holds you accountable because you know you're going to get those employees that have a situation that you feel bad for, um, which it's fine to be sympathetic and to help those people. However, if it seems as if you're totally not following your code of conduct, your disciplinary action, and your measures when it comes to discipline and consequences your business is not going to stay structured at all. It's going to be a free-for-all. Um, so you really do need to follow this. And it does avoid problems down the line. I have been thrown <laughs> to the wolves when it comes to um, some employment issues. And the only thing that backed me up was the fact that everything was outlined. And they knew it from the very beginning from when I gave them this employee handbook and they signed the contract. So they knew and there was nothing that uh, that they could do against me in court or in labor laws um, because I had everything covered. This is what was expected and this was not what was done. And this is what the consequence was. So there we go. And I'm, I was laughing because it's like crazy that you have to have to spell this out, but you do have to spell it out. And again, 
I'll sound like a broken record, but make sure that you get a lawyer to at least over to look at your your policies on discipline and termination mm-hmm. so that you make sure that they align with labor laws that yes. are law into themselves. And once you do that, you're fine. Um, I, I've made some mistakes in my early days. I thought it was really needed to have a employee handbook. I whipped out this very creative, long employee handbook and turns out that there were a lot of things in there that didn't align necessarily. Not that they were bad. I wasn't trying to do anything evil. I was trying to communicate how I wanted to run the company and they just didn't necessarily exactly align with some laws and Mm -hmm. you got to make sure that they do it. But I know that in your case with that, you've had experiences and I think we've talked about a few of them on prior shows where it's, it's straightforward. Like people are going to be mad about it, not like it, but that that you have it. The other thing that I think is important that you emphasized is you've got to follow that. Yes. If you do not follow that, then you, in essence, are making a case against yourself if you do need to terminate someone. So yeah. you have to do those things. And uh, I think it's important to do that. So reviewing, we have five things for your handbook. Number one, your mission statement. Number two, code of conduct. <laughs> Number three, uh, payroll and vacation, everything around your compensation package. Number four is health and safety. Yeah, health and safety hazards, I was going to call it. And <laughs> sure number that works. five is termination policy and uh, disciplinary action and consequence policy. Because right. it doesn't always end in termination, Brandon. Remember. <laughs> well, it's a termination path. Uh, one. Once you get that, you're on that path. I mean, you yes. can get off the path, but let's make no mistake, like you're you're on the path. So true, uh, true. you want to get off that path. And there are other things in the handbook that you do need, but these are the five major ones that you definitely want yeah. to address. To, would you call this the the foundation of a handbook that you yes. would, elements you would need? Yes. Like if you weren't going to do anything else, right. these are the five things. Well, there you have it. Danielle, great show. We'll, uh, we'll probably do another, we should do another one because before we recorded, you said something like, well, I have like eight or 10. And I was like, well, why aren't we doing eight or 10? But we'll do those in another show. Those are your foundation. At least get those set up so that everyone is aligned in your business and you'll be set with your employee handbook. Yes. There we go, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>